remember that last time when I had such a great quote and you're like, Annie, why don't you share your quote? And I was like, <laughs> shit, what was my quote? Oh, good grief. Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast. We're four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Relatable Homeschoolers. Today, we are tackling what a lot of parents fear, and that is the subject of science. I'm here with Harmony, and I'm here with Heather. Ladies, how do you guys feel about science? It's my least favorite subject. It's probably actually my least favorite subject, too. It's probably the one that feels the most challenging. I would instinctively want to say math. But math, you can open and go. Science, when you start getting into hands-on stuff, can be more challenging. But I'm also thinking of science in terms of like chemistry, biology, experiments in the kitchen. You know, I mean, we've done the whole thing where you take the bottle of Diet Coke and put it in the front yard and drop a pack of Mentos into it and watch it foam out. The science that we're in right now with a pre-K slash kindergartner and a third, fourth grader is really nature study. And that I enjoy a lot. So I don't know. I think I worry about more the book science that's coming down the road. And when I think of science, like reading a science textbook, that doesn't sound great to me. But when I think about engaging with the natural world, it's so I guess it depends on how I'm thinking about it. Well, I can assure you that your concerns and fears about science are completely justified. It's the same fears and concerns that kids would bring into my high school science classroom. I have two degrees in science, comprehensive science education, which means I took every science. And then I also double majored in biology. So I took a lot of upper level biologies. And then I have a minor in geology. And I got that mainly on field trips. I'm not embarrassed to admit that. And so I am a bona fide science nerd. And tons of homeschool parents have asked me the same questions. I don't know what to do. I'm intimidated by it. I don't want them just learning from a book. So what should I do? I know Heather's been homeschooling her kids longer than I have. Um, Harmony for about the same amount of time. What has been effective in your homeschool as far as interest in science or the kids enjoying science? I'll go first. So when I first had to start teaching science in the very elementary, like kindergarten first, it was usually very basic, talking about the weather and the temperature. And we would check the weather every day and we would check the temperature every day. We did charts to graph it and things like that. And it was really basic. It was what was included with my father's world. It had a few Usborne books that we read to go along with it. So it was very, very easy, very simple, not overwhelming to me. Then when my kids started getting a little older and I realized they probably needed a little bit more in-depth science, that's when I passed it off basically to our homeschool co-op. And at our co-op, my kids took many apologia sciences, all the way from the elementary, like exploring creations, the 
animal ones, the anatomy, and then even into the older middle school years, my girls have taken apology as general science and physical science. We listen to the audio of those. Apology puts their science on audios. So we're not reading from a textbook. Like we'll follow along in the textbook, but it's being read to us. And then they have a workbook that goes along with it. And then for any experiments or anything like that, they do those in classes, which has been really beneficial to them, especially for my girls who've done general science and physical science. They do all their experiments at co-op. It wouldn't happen if it was left up to me to do in our home. Harmony, what about you? What's worked for your girls? Well, we've kind of had a two-pronged approach. Ambleside, I read some books off of their list and they're big on the Thornton Burgess books, which have nature study through story. The main characters are all animals. And so we have done the Thornton Burgess, the bird book, all different birds. And you learn about all different varieties of birds and kind of their personalities, their nesting habits, all told through stories of characters. And then we did the Burgess animal book, which is just different animals of all different kinds and sizes. And it explains how their family And then right now we're reading the Burgess Seashore book, which is one of my favorites. I love like ocean shoreline, tide pool kind of things. And we love the beach. So that's been fun. I do fill our house with a lot of science type books. We have lots of the little old golden guides that I found at used bookstores that are full of wildflowers and weeds and different kinds of trees and birds and seashells and all of those things, the night sky, constellations and stars and outer space. And then I just, if I find an eye-catching science book, I will just pick it up for them. And I keep them kind of on a big face out ledge in our schoolroom, and they will return to those over and over again. So a lot of it, I feel like is sort of the unschooly approach of strewing science reading material for them. And then the other approach is we do a lot of nature study, but very casually. So we go on walks and they love to go on hikes and we hike at our our local botanic gardens and our parks and trails. We have a greenway, you know, the old railroad tracks that have been made into woodsy trails. We have a nature center and we identify trees and birds and we know some of the different bird calls. We can hear them inside our house and be like, oh, there's a cardinal at the feeder. We have a bird feeder in the front yard and that gets a lot of attention. They love birds. We have a great horned owl that sits in the pine tree in our yard and hoots at night. And we know that owls call. So they're very curious about the natural world and that has served us well. What I don't love is the experiment type stuff that Heather was talking about. I have to buy a two liter of Coke so that we can have the empty bottle to do some balloon related experiment with, you know, and having to scramble for all the little bits and pieces to do experiments. Even when you buy science kits, not everything is included. And that kind of stuff stresses me out for some reason. Uh, It's just not my mojo, but I love to read about science. (laughs) So if it's reading related and story related, we do great. It's the hands-on stuff. And I try to remind myself that, you know, baking is science and math, things like that too. So that we're, we're taking in science in all kinds of places. It's the more structured, formal science education that we haven't really embarked upon yet. Well, and take it from a certified in every science science teacher. You don't have to. Too many times I see parents stressing out about what science curriculum and, you know, their kids aren't reading at that level, but we're supposed to do this for second grade. And children learn way more by experiencing it. Just being out in the world and wondering why this leaf is pointy and this leaf is round. And moving on from there. What I have found, both as a classroom public educator and a homeschool educator, is that if we 
give students just a list of facts, memorize these parts of a flower, and then we consider our job done. So do they. And that ends the inquiry portion of science. Well, I know all there is to know about a flower, so I'm done. And as parents, we kind of check the box and turn the page. In all reality, so do our kids. And they think they know all there is to know about a flower. Whereas if we keep that inquiry going, that's what science is. There's never an end. There's never an end. It doesn't matter what scientific discipline you're in. We're never going to get to the end. That's the beauty of this world. What we do in our homeschool is totally inquiry-based. Similar to you, Harmony, I have zero science textbooks that my kids are working through. Nope, not even a workbook. The only science curriculum I'll put that in quotation marks that I use is I have a milk crate of field guides. If we have a question about something, if we're wondering about something, flip open a field guide and let's figure it out. We do a lot of field work. It's helpful when you live on a farm. Science is all around you. I was talking with a mom back over Christmas break when a lot of moms uh, and dads, I don't know if I want to use the word freaking out, but they're concerned. And I'm sure Parmi and Heather, you guys got questions from friends too. Like, I don't know if this is working and should I switch curriculum? It was a farmer friend of mine raising livestock very similar to what we do. And I said, you know, your kids know more about biology and botany, even geology, than many AP science students, just by virtue of how they're growing up. Anytime you can get kids outside exploring and asking questions and, you know, what happens if we water the plants every day? It was a really good question. I had to have a conversation with that in my house the other day because my kids have spent a decade not caring about the house plants, and then suddenly we're watering them every day. Science can happen anywhere. You know, you can have a great discussion about salt when you're salting your food for dinner. So there's science everywhere. And I find that the more that we just memorize facts and diagrams, we kind of let the inquiry part go. So basically you're saying we're doing everything right. I am. (laughs) I was one of those people over Christmas break that bought new science curriculum. So... (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that's not a solution, but that shouldn't be the first thing that we do. Like, oh my gosh, I need a curriculum. I I really did need something because I wasn't doing anything. (laughs) Right. Thoughtfully evaluate it and then say, you know, if I had this, then this would be solved. So yes, there's a time and a place for new curriculum, but just simply buying new curriculum is not going to solve it. Um, It's something terribly profound. (laughs) You want to say something profound. While you think of that, I'll say like, I don't know. I think my type A personality hinders me from what you described. Kind of like free range learning, right? I feel like, I don't know. I love what you're saying. Like, oh, have a dinner conversation about salt and, you know, watering the plants. But that to me doesn't equate science. I get what you're saying. I hear it and I see your point, but it's hard for me to accept that as something that I would be okay with. Not following something to me, it doesn't feel right. To follow a lesson plan and say we're doing this. Yeah, like I I would love to be able to be that free with the learning. But it's super comforting to check a box and turn a page and say, well, we learned that. Yes. I mean, we're building a volcano tomorrow in my house and boom, lesson four is done. Right. (laughs) So my argument to that and what we have found just in science education research is it's not helpful to know a lot about science without the math to be able to back it up. Mm -hmm. In my homeschool, we're not going to be 
tackling science until we have at least probably algebra or even algebra two finished. Mm -hmm. Because there's really no point in discussing chemistry when you can't understand covalence. You know, there has to be a mental maturity there to really Mm -hmm. get it. And so what's going to happen and what we see is that through years of experiential learning and inquiry and I wonder what about this and keeping that spirit of wonder, once you give them those math tools and that framework of chemical thinking, physical thinking, anatomical thinking, you've already built a framework and they're just going to hang the information on it. Like, oh yeah, well, I didn't know it was called that. I thought it was just the end of your thumb. They're going to dive right into it. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, all of this is here. Whereas when we segment it out, let me give you a social studies example. My son is the military historian. And so he reads a ton of adult books on military history. And so we went to the library and one of the librarians happened to mention, oh, I got a new... um, Uh, who was book you know the who was what was series Mm -hmm. and i think you'd really like it and so it was who was lewis and clark Henry has read a lot about Lewis and Clark. So he brings it home. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to read this book. And he's like, mom, they didn't even talk about this. And they didn't talk about that. Like they're lying to kids, mom. He was so offended that they wrote this book. And mom, kids are going to read this and think that's all there is to Lewis and Clark. But there is so much more. And I thought, that's exactly how I feel about science. You may think that that's all there is to flower reproduction. But then when you get into botany and you have all the tools to really metabolize that concept, it's going to blow your mind. Like, Wow, flowers are so amazing rather than, oh, yeah, learn that in fourth grade. That's a good argument for the math piece. And you made me think about how somehow I had a four-year degree and never took a science class, but I also never took a math class. I took logic and I never took any science. So I took logic instead of math. So my last math class was in 11th grade. (laughs) Now I have a double major in the, the humanities and I took every extra English class and I doubled up on stuff, but yeah, I managed to get through college, but I knew that I was never going to be in a math or science related field. But at the same time, I love experiencing and learning about the natural world and being in nature. You know, my husband's a hunter and he can't wait to take the girls hunting. We can be pretty outdoorsy and take all that in. So the joy I find in science is in that sort of piece, the human connection to the natural world. So I guess I'm saying I feel better just talking about this tonight and to have the freedom to sort of be a little more unschooly about it. And I'll buy them any science resource they want. Lily wants a microscope for her next birthday. I was like, sure, I'll buy a microscope, bunch of slides, have fun. Yeah. One of the resources that I really love is the David McCauley books. He has... I feel like that rings a bell for me. Um, Yep. There are uh, mammoth science and the way things work, the way things work now. He even has a book on how a toilet works for any of you who have small boys who would find that fascinating. There's building big jet planes, like the way we work. Your girls might love that. I just picked that one up. Did he write Cathedral? Yep. Okay. That's, yep. yep. We have Cathedral and we have Rome. Yeah. He just does an excellent job of explaining things that are scientifically accurate, but in a way that kids can see and understand. That's another complaint I have about some of the elementary science curriculums is that they dumb it down too far and then it's no longer accurate. Um, Well, it's probably also now the magic is lost because there is a magic to it. And especially if you're coming at it. So like I'm coming at it too, from a faith-based perspective, we talk about everything like, this is so amazing that God designed this this way Mm -hmm. and can you believe this and sometimes when you get into things and you start realizing the numbers behind things and the numeric arrangements like Fibonacci's number that you find in nature it showed up everywhere in nature Mm -hmm. it's all around you those kinds of things that is where it sort of becomes mystical when you dumb it down you lose that (music) 
So what parents are going to probably run into is the high school years. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about high school? I've got to keep track of credits. You want to take a look at what are your state's high school graduation requirements? How many units of science do they need to have before they can graduate? And then you also want to look at if your children intend to further their education, where do they want to go? And then what are those requirements? Um, So if you just want to graduate in our state, you need a certain number of credits. But if you want to go to one of our four-year universities, you need an extra science credit. So make sure you're taking a look at both of those when you're crafting a high school curriculum. I did high school curriculum for some high school girls this year, and I love the self-teaching guides. Uh, Wiley publishes those. W-I-L-E-Y is the company. And this year they did a biology text, which was brand new and actually was back ordered for a bit. And I was anxious to get my hands on it. Their self-teaching guides are really good. I recommend those to adults who say, you know, I just never had good luck with chemistry. I didn't really understand it when I was in high school. And I say, well, if you want to make up, get this book. They're 25 bucks. And if you've bought science curriculum, you know that none of it is 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a big hands-on science person, but I know that not everybody's going to have a Bunsen burner and a beaker in their kitchen. So Carson DeLosa has a series of science kind of workbooks, but they're more experiential workbooks. And so you can see things and, okay, if we add this to this, what's it going to be? It's kind of like lab science without all the lab gear. That's what I paired those two with for physical science, biology, and chemistry. And it's great self-teaching. I'm a big proponent of self-teaching. Like I tell my kids, I already did fifth grade math. I don't need to do it again. These guides really walk you through explaining concepts, have review questions and challenge questions, and I really like them. So you want to have kind of a plan for credits. Now, one high school mom graduated all of her kids, and she was talking about how how she did it. And she said, for one of my sons, I reverse engineered his transcript. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, he wanted to be a pilot, and he wanted to get his pilot's license. So I thought, well, no, your brother and sister, they went through this curriculum. And first they took physical science, and then they took biology, and then they took chemistry. And when all that's done, then maybe you can get your pilot's license. She said, that's what I wanted to tell him. Like, no, this is how things are supposed to go. But then her husband said, this is his one goal in life. Are you sure that's what you want to do? You're going to have to fight him for three years. So she took a look and she thought, you know what? Get me the curriculum. Get me what you need to do for your pilot's license. So he got her all the information. And she said, do you know how much physics is in getting your pilot's license? There was his physics curriculum. Do you know how much meteorology you have to know in order to get your pilot's license? That was a science credit. There are things you can do like that where you don't have to say, we're going through these and you're going to just do it. You can look at what your kids are interested in. And can you use that to qualify for science credits? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say with my high schooler who's a freshman now, last year when I was thinking about science, like you said, Annie, math is a crucial part for chemistry. And I know at our co-op, the mom who teaches chemistry is actually a former chemistry teacher. And she has everyone take algebra tests before she allows them to come into her class. Because like you said, there's just basic things that they need to know math-wise before they can understand chemistry fully. And so usually here in Michigan, they either take chemistry like 10 or 11 after biology. And I just wasn't sure this year. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be ready for her to do chemistry in 10th. So why am I going to make her do biology in 9th? They only need three science credits here in Michigan. So this year she's doing a master book survey of astronomy class, which she's loving. And she is learning so much about astronomy. like, And she's teaching us a lot. But then that just pushed her chemistry back to 11th grade. So like you said, she's in algebra one now. 
So she'll have her algebra two probably while she's doing chemistry. So I feel like she'll be better off for that having delayed the chemistry a year. And there's nothing wrong with taking two sciences concurrently. Biology Mm -hmm. and chemistry weave well together. And in fact, there's a study of that called biochemistry, where they weave together. I mean, you go to college, you take biochemistry. There's nothing wrong with weaving two sciences in one year. They complement mm-hmm. each other. If you've got the math background and you feel confident in that, there's no reason you can't take two sciences at the same time. And I will say, we've said this before in other episodes, but like, there's no shame in outsourcing the things that are not your strength. Like, You don't mm-hmm. need to try to be you know, you're a superwoman and you have to do this yourself. Take advantage of the resources. One of the things that's so important is we want to enjoy our homeschools. And if you take on something that's just going to be a big source of stress when you could outsource it and make an investment in getting it another way, then go for that. There's a huge homeschool community where I live, just hundreds of families. And science at the upper level is probably the thing that is outsourced to tutorials the most. There's a number of really big tutorials here. I'm not even sure any of them are are running right now because of COVID. But during normal life, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, the classes fill up and they offer a lot of different segments, especially the lab classes, because of what you're saying, Annie, that having equipment, especially to mm-hmm. do experiments in your home and you have a tutorial setting or a co-op setting, you can get that experience and it's not stressful. So most of the moms I know, actually, I don't, I don't think I know anybody who's teaching their own high school science. Everyone's outsourcing it because it's just a burden off you. And then, mm-hmm. and they feel good about the quality of the classes their kids are getting and they're right. still at home most of the time. Well, and with dual enrollment, you can take your chemistry at a community college. Community college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just double check the math requirement. Usually each of them have a math prerequisite or a math entry test. And if you've got that, then get it done dual credit and get your college credit at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have several people who do the dual credit here in high school. We are uh, very close to Concordia in Ann Arbor. And for homeschool students, they offer $50 a credit. And so it's fantastic. That's a huge benefit and resource for the homeschoolers here for dual credit. And I know people who have used it for biology and other language arts classes. Googling how to move a farm (laughs) to Michigan. Well, in certain states, I feel like really rally around homeschoolers. Like there's just a lot to offer depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. Whatever resources you have at hand, explore those. Find out what they are. Yeah, for sure. My kids are passing notes to me. (laughs) It's like they're in school or something. Ladies, it's that time where we share what is saving our homeschools this week. Harmony, why don't you go first? Well, I actually think that my eight-year-old is saving my homeschool right now. Um, My five-year-old is turning out to be an early reader. She really wanted to start practicing reading. And so they are both doing the Read Aloud Revival 30-day challenge right now Mm -hmm. to read Mm -hmm. for 30 days, 10 minutes a day out loud. So my older daughter decided that she was going to read my younger daughter's Read Alouds to her. So she's kind of taken over that segment of our homeschooling from me. And she's a really good reader. So it's really fun to listen to her 
reading aloud to my five-year-old. And then my five-year-old is reading aloud to her out of her beginner, you know, little Peppa Pig phonics books and her Bob books. They're both reading aloud to each other. And it's a joy to see them doing that together. And it's also just one less thing that I have to do right now. So I'm kind of hoping to keep this whole read aloud challenge thing going. <laughs> and we'll just keep on doing it. Keep on doing the prizes. Read Loud Revival has little coupons that you cut out. And so we have those in a jar. And then after every so many books or sessions of reading aloud, they get to draw one. So it's things like pancakes for breakfast or stay up a little late, pick a family movie night. Now, what do you want for dinner? So those kinds of things. And then the end goal for both of them is a small Lego set. So when they get to 30, they'll each get a small Lego set. Very fun. Yeah. I want to do one of those for me. <laughs> right? We should. Right? Let's do it. The Relatable Homeschoolers Mom Reading Challenge. <laughs> Especially if you can How- earn a Lego at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Says the mom with all of her own Legos on the bookshelves. No shame. No shame in mom Legos. I went the friend set. Heather, what's saving your homeschool? Going along with our theme of science this episode, I am going to say my newly bought Good and the Beautiful science curriculum. My boys really wanted to learn geology this year. And so I was like, okay, we'll do geology. And I was on Amazon and Christian books and thrift books. And I bought all these nature and geology books. And Annie, I was going to wing it. I was going to wing it. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't. And September to December, I think we did like one day of science. So this mom bought some curriculum over Christmas break and we have now done science geology three weeks in a row. And tomorrow we are making a volcano. So that curriculum has saved me and has brought a peace of mind to me about our science this year. That's great. Yay. And Annie, what is saving your homeschool this week? You know, all those memes that float around (laughs) talking about chore charts. Everybody jokes about chore charts and like, Mm -hmm. I was going to solve all my problems for, you know, three minutes with a chore chart. But man, they are doing it here. I had my kids sit down. I printed out a blank weekly schedule with every half hour blocked off and this morning we sat down because they complained we don't get enough time to play we don't get enough time to ride horse and I look at them like you would have spent three hours on a school bus today what are you complaining about so I had them make out the chart okay so you guys get up usually about this time so anything above that like we're not going to schedule anything because you're asleep so let's figure this out what time do we usually have lunch it was really a good exercise for them to identify what they actually have to do in a day and how much free time to read and art and be outside that they really do have. I'm telling you what, there was some light bulbs that went off and they understood that contrary to their belief that they all they did was schoolwork. No, there's plenty of different things in your day. Chore charts are the bomb. But it, I feel like it does work better when they make their own. Mm-hmm. There's an investment mm-hmm. in that. Yep. Well, it's been fantastic being here with you ladies talking science. We'll see everybody again for another episode soon. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.